Will gets the puck for Carrier. He gets stripped, taps the loose puck for Kessel. He scores! Kessel from below the goal line! Because one hour isn't enough. We welcome you back for hour number two of the Vegas Golden Knights Insider Show. Knights grab it on the right wing side. Smith to the point. Petrangelo scores! Set up by Riley Smith. Chevrolet, Fox Sports Las Vegas Studios, and live at lbsportsnetwork.com with your hosts, Darren Millard and Ryan Wallace. Coming at from across the Las Vegas Valley, Darren Millard along with Ryan Wallace, Chris Chapman back at the Fox Sports Las Vegas Studio. Uh, I'm at Studio 31 at City National Arena getting set for the Vancouver Canucks and the Vegas Golden Knights. Ryan, what's going on where you are? I'm hanging out Parkway Tavern, Volunteer Road, just across the street from M Resort. Happy hour until 6 o'clock, 50% off appetizers and pizza, $2 off beer, wine, and cocktails. So you're going to want to get down here. You've got some time to get pre-gaming before the Golden Knights take on the Vancouver Canucks. I'll be here all night long, pre-game, intermission, post-game. So you've got plenty of time to come down, say hello to me, and we can watch the game together. So happy hour is through 6 o'clock, 6 p.m., yep. All right, so $2 hour. off beer yep. and 50% off appetizers. And pizza, yeah. And pizza, all right. Oh, yeah. What's your go-to appy? <laughs> I mean, if, if, if pizza's involved, I'm going pizza, like mm-hmm. 100% all day, every day. I think, I, like, I view pizza as an appetizer, so I'm going to go pizza for Why sure. Why you just answer the question properly? Oh you're you're becoming more like Chapman. What's your I'm go-to appy? Like and then you have to you have to complicate it by throwing my pizza go-to in there. appy. Like, appy? what are we doing here? Appy. Is have it, you ever called? Have you ever legitimately called it an appy? Yeah, absolutely. All really? the time. Really. So Does, is it, outside is it mozzarella of just this sticks? Moment? Is it eh. uh, is it calamari? Like, is it nachos? Um, what's, okay, what's your so go-to appy? My go-to appy. If if it's if it's if I have to answer this question, which is ridiculous, uh, I, I'm going to say it's probably potato skins. Potato mm. skins are phenomenal. Not bad. Uh, what about you, Chapman? I like calamari. That That's Me a too. great appetizer. That's like yeah. th- it delivers if it's the right crispiness. It's a great appetizer. It's perfect. You know what else? I feel fancy. I when feel you get a calamari? upscale. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> yes. I feel I feel like a, like a Rockefeller. Yeah. I, I, I feel more... Uh, intelligent and uh, sophisticated than if I just order nachos. Calamari oh. makes me feel like a businessman, and <laughs> nachos make me, makes me feel like a ball fan. They got to put a little lemon on it, right? When when, is, when they come out, yeah. squeeze the lemon juice so, on. Hold on, hold on. Is calamari your go-to then, Darren? Yeah. Yeah. How about that? Same wavelength again. Cal- calamari and nachos. There's the. It's one or the other. Although the onion rings have made an, uh, a real charge lately. Yeah, got to be beer battered though. Like yeah. that's Not the thing with beer. Uh, um, we got uh, uh, Vancouver and Vegas going tonight uh, in the National Hockey League schedule, and a busy night in the National Hockey League. And this is a situation where Vegas can break a tie atop the Pacific Division with the victory. They will move two points ahead of Los Angeles, and after tonight, they will have the same number of games remaining at eleven. They will also move six points ahead of the streaking Edmonton Oilers who are 8 and 2 in their last 10. So a significant game in the battle for position tonight. How much emphasis down the stretch do you put on wins and losses as opposed to getting ready for the playoffs because there is a bit of getting ready for the playoffs that every team is going to have to consider when you're talking about roster, when you're talking about uh, special teams, when you're talking about 
goaltending, which is different than roster because it's such an integral part of, of the uh, effectiveness of the National Hockey League. Yeah, I mean, I, I think that, you know, obviously wins and losses are, are really all that matter until I believe you, you get in, until you've got the X by your name. And then once you are in the playoffs, I think that's when you have to start kind of turning an eye to, okay, what's our roster going to look like? What are our lines going to look like? How is everything going to work itself out when, when it comes to goaltending? So I think there's a little bit of wiggle room here where you're just chasing wins and losses. Um but I think once you're in the playoffs, once you know you're going to the dance, you've got to turn your eye to how does this team maximize in the playoffs? How do we look to win 16 playoff games? Because that's the most important metric. Bring up roster because Ben Hutton hasn't played since the All-Star break. Mm-hmm. He's the seventh defenseman, and he's always on the ice and warm-up. He's, he's, he's around the team and, and is on the uh, uh, the 23-man. Uh, but you also had uh, Keegan Colasar and uh, Nick Waugh sighting today in Vancouver at the morning skate. Keegan Colasar uh, wearing that uh, non-contact sweater. They are closer than we've uh, talked about recently because they kind of slid under the radar with all the discussion regarding what's happening in the crease. They're getting closer and when they're cleared to play, whether it's on this trip because they're they're uh, on this three-game roadie or whether it's when they get back and they play that game against Edmonton, uh, there's going to have to be some decisions made regarding putting them in, where to put them in, uh, in the sense of Nick Wah, He hasn't played since before the, the, the trade deadline. Uh, so there's the acquisition of Ivan Barbershev was to free up Nick Waugh to play in, in a different spot. There's some, some maneuvering and massaging that is going to have to take place. Or does it, given that Dorofiev has been so instrumental uh, in what he's done the last four games, small sample size, but uh, has really fit in with William Carlson and Riley Smith, and you have Barbershev playing on the top line and Teddy Bluger doing a great job on that, that fourth line. Yeah, it'll be interesting to see when when Wah and Kolasar are ready, just kind of where everything shakes out. As as you mentioned with Pavel Dorofiev, I, I've loved his game. I, I love where he's at right now alongside William Carlson and Riley Smith. That line has gone for me. Um, I like a lot of what Dorofia brings to the table. I liked how decisive he was in his decision-making on the power play in, in the game against Columbus. So I'm looking at it as, you know, and Bruce Cassidy's mentioned it, Pavel Dorofiev's playing like a guy that doesn't want to lose his job when everyone's healthy. So if he can continue to have games like he's had over the last three or four outings, then maybe it becomes a real difficult uh, decision, and you know you, you become de- you become a deeper team because of it. So um, I don't know what the right configuration is going to look like. I would imagine Keegan Kolasar, when he's ready, goes right back into a fourth line role alongside Teddy Bluger. But then, what do you do with Michael Amadio? What do you do with Brett Howden? Two guys that have been I- instrumental in the Golden Knights and their success over the last three or four weeks. It's it's really tough to answer that question. Kolasar and Wah. They're everydayers with yeah. this team. Yeah. I think they go back in. Yeah. But you've got to balance a team that's rolling, and if it keeps rolling, do you fiddle with that when you're in the midst of a battle for first place? And I don't know what the answer is there. I know it's fair, and I look at it from the person that's been injured point of view. I have more sympathy towards that, although – when you've got 
somebody that's in the lineup and being effective and, and they're winning hockey games. I also recognize that side. That, that person shouldn't come out just because somebody's healthy. But uh, I understand how instrumental and influential Keegan Colasar and Nick Waugh are and sure. can be. Uh, that's, a, that's a juggling act that, quite frankly, Vegas hasn't had to deal with a lot going back a couple of years. It's usually just who's available and put them in. And, and right now they have enough players available, uh, and, and they're able to, to go with this, this same lineup. And you don't have anybody that's necessarily – Dorfiev would be the freshest uh, in his National Hockey League career. But it's, it's been pretty steady lately. Um, I, I'm not sure which side that, uh, that the organization or Bruce Cassidy will lean on uh, because I heard Bruce say yesterday that at some point – you do have to draw that line in the sand and just say, we're going good. Let's keep going. Yeah, I, it's not an easy answer, right? Like, it's not an easy thing to, to kind of figure out. But, I mean, the most important thing for the Golden Knights is you get yourself into the playoffs. That's number one. Once you are in, then I think you either have to make a determination as to how important you really feel finishing first in the division is going to be in terms of your route to getting where you want but to go Ryan, in the playoffs. You don't yes. know when that's going to be uh, as I, far as I, getting it. That that could be with four games left. That could be with two games left where you're still battling uh, for the for the division title. I don't think you necessarily stop uh, take your foot off the pedal just because you you qualify for a spot or guarantee a top 3 position. No. Uh, it continues. You there's going to have to be massaging a decision on whether to massage the roster or not far in advance of when this team locks up uh, a playoff position or first place then i think as soon as kolasar and wa are ready you bring them in you bring them into the fold like if that's the case you you can make the argument right that that once this team starts the playoffs once everyone's going once the playoffs start you you have Keegan Colasar and Nick Waugh available to you, they're going to be in your lineup. Mm-hmm. They just are. And, and I think that if that's the case, you, you probably want to give them as much time to get their game going to the level it needs to be at to help you win 16 playoff games. I'm fine with that. Uh, I'm, I'm absolutely. you got to have some tough conversations, and it's a better to have uh, be in that position. Uh, and I say that as somebody that doesn't have to have the conversation with somebody and look them in the eye and say, you're coming out or you're not going in, or uh, you have to... Uh, take uh, somebody out of play that uh, has been really effective for you. Uh, Here is Bruce Cassidy as he uh, came off the ice this morning following the skate in Vancouver. Bruce, what was your message to the team, not only kicking off this road trip, but this final stretch, 10 of the 12 or against the top 10 teams in the West? Yeah, we did talk about that. Uh, We're we're kind of in the, like I said, the stretch run here and we want to make sure we take care of business, A, in the Pacific and in the West. So, um, you know, that usually, you know, that seems like a, a you know, kind of a broad statement, but usually on time starts, right? Let's get going right away, get to our game in a hurry, and stay at our level. So that's what we're trying to do here is, is get to that 60-minute game so that um, when we clinch and if we're playing well, that uh, you know, we feel good about our game going into April. What do you think has been the biggest factor to the five-on-five offense? Well, that's a good question. I mean, I, I think it's been there all year, to be honest with you. I think it's just the depth of our lineup. We've had different people in and out and guys contribute obviously Jack had a big night the other night and um, you know Smitty got hot Marsh has been hot at certain times uh, you've seen Stevie get hot so 
I think it's just different people contributing every night. Our decor has been pretty consistent at moving pucks and and, and uh, making their plays, so they, they're a part of it as well. So I wouldn't say it's one particular thing. I, re I just believe that you know we found it's why we're, we're where we are, right? We found different guys to step up when we need it or get a big save when you need it at the other end. So a lot of different things. Talk about all the people contributing. What's it like for a coach to have uh, the lines looking as strong and balanced as they are, but then you also have Keegan Colasar out there in non-contact and Nick Waugh joining the team as well? Yeah, I mean, yeah, we've, we've found, like I said, different people step up. Teddy Bluger comes in and, you know, he's, he's, he's checking well, but adding a little offense. Seen it with Pav come up from Henderson. Uh, we knew he had it in him down there, but is it going to translate up here? And so far it has. So, um, you know, good for those guys that are chipping in. Uh, how he's found a little bit, so knowing that fourth line can help you when you lose a guy like Will, who's a big part of it. Uh, Nick's right around the corner. Um, Keegan looks like he's close, so it'd be nice to have those, you know, bigger body kind of bottom of the lineup guys back, those glue guys that um, that you rely on every night because they they're a big reason why we have good starts. Um, so looking forward to that. What do you have to look out for against Vancouver on the run they're on? Well, they've got some dangerous high-end players. They're having extremely good seasons. Kuzmenko and Peterson are, you know, Miller's always been good in this league, but Quinn Hughes is, is activating. And so you have to be aware when they're on the ice. If you can sort of limit their damage and maybe ask the middle of the lineup to beat you, then, you know, that that's sort of what we got to be careful of. And obviously that power play is a big part of that for them. Our PK needs to be solid, so which we've been good. We've been good with team discipline all year, so that has to continue. Um, and then force them to check, right? They've done a good job of that lately. They're winning games because they're keeping the puck out of their nets. So we got to make sure that they're willing to do it again tonight. There is Bruce Cassidy ahead of tonight's game against the Vancouver Canucks. Go back one answer. And I think we got the message loud and clear about Keegan Colasar and Nick Waugh. When a coach calls them glue guys, mm -hmm. they go right back in. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I agree. Like the admiration that he has for what they do. Now, the I'll, just a subplot there. If they're, now they're going back in, where do they go? Keegan goes to his regular spot on the fourth line. Mm -hmm. But with Nick Waugh playing center and what Teddy Bluger's done in that role, and he was acquired to free up uh, Nick Waugh to play elsewhere, where do you slot Nick Waugh in? And, and how do you utilize that talent down the stretch? So for me, I feel like the most logical spot that you would put Nick Waugh would probably be alongside Chandler Stevenson and Phil Kessel. That is assuming that Pavel Dorofiev stays in the lineup. That That's just my my thought is you're, you're elevating him a bit. You're playing him alongside two guys that are very offensively minded Um I, I think that, to me, makes the most sense. Yeah, that would be as good a spot as any. Uh, Cotter uh, played uh, well the other night, and I he scored. So yeah. now what do we see following that? He's a confidence-driven guy as much as anybody on this team. When sure. Paul Cotter feels great, he's laughing, he's joking, he's having fun, uh, he's feeling it, uh, he, he's going great. When he's not, you can see uh, in uh, shootout attempts or uh, during the course of a game, he's not making quicker decisions and the puck isn't settling on a stick and he gets a little frustrated. Part of learning and growing in the National Hockey League. He's played a full year in the NHL and he's made major strides, but the consistency factor is, is still there uh, with Paul Cotter. So if uh, we'll see whether he makes the decision for Bruce Cassidy 
if he continues to go, well, you have to go in, in another area uh, with uh, with the likes of, of Nick Waugh uh, joining the team. Uh, Dorofia, does he continue his strong play up with William Carlson and, and Riley Smith? That's another factor of, of where everybody slots in and continues to go because he's in a great run right now, but you're into... 10 uh, of the final 12 games are against top 10 teams in, in the Western Conference. Uh, you're, you're playing some some top-heavy teams at crucial periods of, of time. Uh, is he able to continue to produce, or does he need what Paul Cotter's gone through a couple of times this year, and a breather coming out of the lineup and and catching your breath and, and a little bit of uh, realigning the sights and, and then going back in. But when, when you've got the ability uh, of having – Right now, would be 22, uh, 20 forwards, twenty skaters uh, on the, on the team, and uh, uh, you've got Ben Hutton would make twenty one, so a couple of extra forwards and, and one extra D, uh, and the trying to find spots for everybody is is great uh, to have. Now that I, I don't think you have like the the one combination this year where you're you're married to. There's been an evolution to the forward units this year that uh, that we've never seen with this organization, to be quite honest, because Mark Stone coming out, uh, that changed things, and then the different combinations uh, that uh, were uh, in, in the November and December, and that great run in December uh, changed things up in, in the fall-off in, in January. The uh, trade deadline comes about, and you've got uh, the, the, the current uh, setup. I think the different looks that Bruce Cassidy uh, has offered up have all been intriguing in their own right. Uh, this is one of the longest stretches we've ever gone without the Misfits not being back together as an entire line, uh, which gives you an idea of, of where they're going and how productive uh, they've been. But uh, I, I think uh, in the in the Stanley Cup playoffs and regarding health and uh, what the, the status eventually is, how deep you have to go before Mark Stone becomes available, uh, you, you could see uh, a, a little bit of what we saw at the beginning of the year, or you could see uh, a little bit of what we're seeing right now, which is so effective. But I think range, uh, Bruce Cassidy has as much, many options right now as probably uh, any of the three coaches have had uh, handling the Vegas Golden Knights. Yeah, and a lot of that's been due to a lot of players stepping up, right? Like, you know, Michael Amadio's had a fantastic year, and he's done it in a lot of different spots inside of this lineup. Seems Brett Howden has been instrumental uh, in, in kind of shoring up the bottom six, and he, Keegan Kolsar has been great too. Uh, Pavel Dorfiev's come in and at least made the conversation interesting right now, and Paul Cotter uh, has had moments where he's been absolutely electric, and then there have been those teachable moments that he's had to work through. So right now, I think the Golden Knights are in a really good spot in terms of their overall team depth. Now it's going to be about if you can reintegrate Keegan Colasar and Nick Waugh, finding the right combinations for everybody to try to maximize the lineup. And, you know, as Bruce Cassidy's done over the course of this season, when he's been forced into those situations where he's had to reimagine the roster a little bit, he's come through with, with winning combinations each and every time. And that's a testament to his understanding of his roster as a coach, but also to the players that are, are playing to those levels and playing to those capabilities. One thing Waugh and Colasar do give you is uh, a bit of heaviness. Not that Waugh's a banger, 
but really good on the forecheck. And he gets on you fast, which is, in a way, heavy hockey. And Kolasar can flat out uh, to bash you, bang you. And it's it's not as physical of a game, but I think that presence is a big part uh, of, of being successful in the National Hockey League. And when it does get uh, intense and you do have teams uh, trying to get under your skin, uh, trying to intimidate you, trying to push back uh, when you're pushing, and uh, that, that is a factor. So I, I'm excited to see these two players. This, is, uh, this has been a long time for, for Nick Waugh. I, uh, I didn't expect him to be out. Uh, this long, uh, and a player that uh, that uh, is able to go uh, and be so streaky, and, and is a net front presence, and offers you uh, a, an added uh, skill level on the power play. Um, I think that that will be uh, an interesting part uh, of of where he slots back in uh, onto the uh, ancillary roles uh, with him, and then Kolasar and and Howden, and and Howden again uh, is. Cotter's been great this year, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, his mm-hmm. first full yeah. year in the National Hockey League, uh, a rookie season in which uh, Paul Cotter is uh, could score 15 goals. He's a couple off that right now. Uh, we've seen uh, incredible presence from the likes of uh, Michael Amadio, who equals a season high. Second straight year that he scores 11 goals. Uh, Dorofiev uh, jumping up uh, on, on his first uh, extended uh, success in, in the National Hockey League. But as far as full growth, has, has anybody done more with less fanfare than Brett Howden has this year? In, in what he's been been able to uh, capitalize on, and and a guy that went a long time without scoring, but is now up to to four in forty, which would be close to a 10, uh, 10 goal season uh, in a full National Hockey League season. He's only uh, played just over uh, forty uh, games already. Uh, I've been I've been really impressed with his play uh, since he came back just before the All Star break and uh, returned to the lineup. Uh, he has been right there with guys that I think have taken the biggest steps. Yeah, and the chances are there too for yeah. him. It's it's just not necessarily falling uh, at the rate that you'd like it to. But for uh, for Brett Howden, I think that there's a ton of energy, and he plays the game uh, in in a way that befits a fourth line in today's NHL. There's skill. For sure, there's there's a lot of energy and a lot of work down low. He does battle to get to the front of the net. He's not afraid to go there. He's not afraid to mix it up. Uh, he's, there's a physical element to his game. So, yeah, I, I'm, I don't disagree with you. I think Brett Howden's been a, a, a really good piece to this team for a long time this year. And you mentioned it, four goals, 43 games. Um, you know, you, you look at that as, as, as kind of flirting with a double-digit goal total. Uh, you'll take that from your fourth line wingers all day long you know he, he would be a guy who based on totals you would look at with the impending returns of a Juan a Colasar as maybe somebody who might come out but given what we've seen from him and the contributions uh physically away from the puck and, the, and how he's he's fit in and we we did mention uh, the other night about what the team's record is with him and without him in, in the lineup, uh, 500 without him and 22 games over 500 with him, uh, which does cover off a lot of the injuries to the defense. And I, I know that that has a large influence in it, but the, the stats are what the stats are. Uh, I, I think that he's in there uh, to, to start the Stanley Cup playoffs, uh, despite the, the, the point totals and everything that comes with it. Uh, he, I think he's, he's, he's carved himself a, a niche. 
so Brett Howden and on the wing too on the wing which is impressive Brett Brett Howden Teddy Bluger Keegan Colasar it's your your fourth line I'll I'll, I'll take that yeah and yeah, then I mean, it probably it, comes down to a Matteo, uh, like based on position or what what you're looking for, a Matteo Cotter Dorfia, uh as far as who who's in the running for that for that extra spot uh, between mm-hmm. between those four guys and, and what you're looking for uh, between those four guys. Yeah, I mean it's 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 fascinating, right? Because again, like you look at it from that perspective, and you've got. A, I think you can kind of solidify that as a fourth line. If, if, if Brett Howden's your guy alongside Teddy Bluger and, and Keegan Colasar, then that makes a lot of sense. Now you start to look at the rest of the lineup for the Golden Knights. Bavaldorfia playing alongside William Carlson and Riley Smith. Do you roll with that as long as it continues to work? Do you understand how good Michael Amadio was in that spot? And you, you know, it's it's Dorofia of Amadio in, in, as kind of that extra player alongside carlson and, and smith there's there's options really at every single spot for the golden knights right now what what it does tell me is you might see uh, a lot of interchanging going on both mm-hmm. down the stretch once colasar and wa are back in and then into the stanley cup playoffs with the ability to plug in as somebody was caught her an energy guy does he come in and give you a couple of big games in intense situations Dorofiev uh, comes in gives you some high level skill and uh, and the ability to uh, to uh, accelerate uh, your your second power play unit be able to go in and that side uh, Michael Amadio uh, to to be when he moves his feet and is engaged in the game uh, strong presence on the forecheck uh, that type of, uh, of versatility with those uh, players in particular uh, may give you um, a different lineup uh, from game to game or every every couple of games with the Vegas Golden Knights and and it also keeps everybody really hungry and and going uh, on a night-to-night basis getting into the playoffs but more importantly in these next 12 games before we get to the most important part in in the Stanley Cup playoffs Uh, prediction time for what's going to happen tonight is coming up but up next it's the one-timer segment news notes from around the National Hockey League a big contract extension to tell you about as we roll on on Fox Sports Las Vegas Maybe a two-on-one. Petrangelo gets it. He shoots. He scores. It's time for one-timers. One-timers. Short-handed goal. Alex Petrangelo. Quick looks at some of the biggest stories of the day on the VGK Insiders Show. We've got tickets to give away. Next Tuesday's game against the Edmonton Oilers, we will give those away at some point during this segment of One Timers, bringing you some updates from around the National Hockey League. When we open the phones, uh, you will be the first to know, so be standing by at 702-876-1340. Uh, big news today regarding a contract extension, a much deserved to Colorado Avalanche head coach, Jared Bednar. It's a three-year contract extension. Um, so that's uh, big news. Runs through 26-27. Bednar is approaching uh, a pretty fantastic mark of 300 wins. Uh, and this is the guy that took over in the most trying of situations. Hmm. When he stepped in in 2016, mm-hmm. when Patrick Waugh just walked out yep. on the Colorado Avalanche, uh, I didn't think Bednar was, was going to be able to extend beyond that season mm-hmm. 
quite honestly. It was such a difficult situation. Uh, Avalanche weren't in a good spot uh, statistically uh, with their roster, and he's replacing a legend uh, both on the ice and as a head coach. Uh, he was promoted uh, from within the organization. Uh, it looked at the time like it was the best option, uh, uh, but like, where was it going from there? And he, he's continued to coach. It, it's an unbelievable story of success from a really good guy uh, in Jared Bednar. Yeah, you're, you're right on the money. Well said. I couldn't say it better, to be honest with you. Um, I like Jared Bednar. I like what he's been able to do with the Colorado Avalanche. And, you know, he's, he's won a Stanley Cup. Like, he turned a, a really tough start with the Colorado Avalanche into a Stanley Cup championship and now three more years. So, well done. Good job. The only coach in Avalanche history, this surprised me, to guide the Avalanche to five consecutive appearances in the Stanley Cup playoffs. Oh, wow. I, I, I didn't realize that, uh, yeah. that he was the, the only guy in that regard. Uh, won a, a championship, the ECHL, the American Hockey League, and the National Hockey League. And he's from a small town Saskatchewan. So you guys know what a skidoo is? Like a sled? Oh, yeah, yeah, sled. One, one of those sled. things that you, you has the track and the, the two skis on front, the motorized. Uh, uh, you mean operation. a snowmobile? Yeah, snowmobile, skidoo, oh. sled. Oh. Yeah, there you go. Okay. So that's, that's what I was looking for. So back, uh, back in the day, uh, Jared's dad was a, a, a police officer in Humboldt, RCMP, Royal Canadian Mounted Police. And uh, that didn't stop Jared from uh, just uh, being a little bit uh, outside the, uh, the guidelines. He would uh, skidoo uh, to school. That, that is small town Saskatchewan. He would take the snowmobile, get it to school, park just around the, the door from the school, because you weren't allowed to do that, really, because you're inside the city, uh, town. And, uh, and then he'd, uh, he'd slide back home. Uh, one of the, uh, the, the cool uh, parts of being in the, uh, in the uh, throes of uh, just uh, the hinterland uh, up there in Humboldt, Saskatchewan. Uh, big news coming out uh, regarding the National Hockey League today. And they have signed a long-term deal with Fanatics to make the National Hockey League's official uniform. That's for all 32 teams. It starts in 2024-25, so one more year with Adidas, and then Fanatics takes over. And if you are familiar with anything uh, to do with uh, sweaters, jerseys, uh, it's all the commercials out there. Uh, Fanatics has a, uh, a big uh, presence on the uh, uniform uh, scene in professional sports, baseball, football, uh, and basketball, of course. Uh, but when it comes to the official uniform, this is the first time uh, that Fanatics uh, will be involved in a uh, Big Four with the 10-year agreement with the National Hockey League. Yeah, 10 years. That's a, a long, long commitment for both Fanatics and the National Hockey League. But uh, I, listen, I, I think that, you know, for me, the only thing that I care about, like legitimately care about, is that the reverse retro um, promotion, whatever you want to call it, continues and I'm, I'm hopeful that it will um, because that's one of the most impressive and, and fun things that the NHL has going for it right now with their jerseys and uh, I think that if you can continue to work on that and continue to have that a part of the game then um, I'm looking forward to 10 years with Fanatics let's go so the reverse retro through Adidas yeah. has been held on two occasions correct yes that is correct and it goes every second year correct that is correct, yes. All right, so next year 
would be the leap year for the reverse retro, which, if it continues, would be the first season in the Fanatics agreement. Now, Fanatics has always made replica sweaters yeah. and has such a big presence on, on that side of it uh, with the reverse retro as, as well. Uh, but uh, they've never made the official game uniforms for National Hockey League clubs. So that would be a heck of a splash coming in with the reverse retros in, in the first year. And I would think that that would be something that uh, if you're in the first year of a 10-year agreement and you want to solidify yourself and answer any questions, uh, that that would be a pretty good place to start. Yeah, it- well, I mean, we'll see. We'll see how it goes and, and kind of what's what's on the horizon there. What's but your worry with this? I, I don't have one. I, I sent really some don't. hesitation with you. No, no. Again, I, I said the only thing that I care about is is that we we come to some understanding or agreement on a league wide initiative to have fun jerseys every couple of years. That's all. That's all I care about. If you can if you can continue to work on that and continue to have that be a part of it, I, I really don't care what the logo is on the front of the jersey. It doesn't matter to me. So the jerseys won't really change significantly until at the earliest uh, couple of years, 26, 27. And we're in 22, 23. So we're, we're a few years off. Uh, that's when different fabric options and player safety innovations, uh, protection against skate cuts, uh, yeah. might be introduced. So we're, we're a ways away from any big changes in materials. Uh, to the point that uh, the, the the same factory where they make the sweaters now will be used to make the sweaters under Fanatics. So it, it, there's there's not a lot that, that's going to change when it comes to Fanatics taking over uh, from the likes of, uh, uh, of Adidas. That, that surprised me a little bit that they would just move everything in the same factory, but it does... It does make a lot of sense when when it's uh, such a, a big part of your your operation. Yeah, I, I think so. And you know, again, I, I as as you you know, technology and fabrics continue to advance. As long as you're you're putting in the the R and D to make sure that you get that onto the ice, that's that's all that matters. But um, I I again, I I don't know that there's going to be a discernible difference or or, or one that you know some of the traditional teams, right? Like. The New York Rangers aren't going to have a massive overhaul or redesign of their of their sweaters. Same thing with Detroit. Same thing with Chicago. Like those teams that have been largely the same for years and years and years. I, I think you're going to look at, you know, the final jersey that they have for Adidas and the first one that they have with Fanatics. And I don't know that you're going to be able to tell much of a difference. And and that's that's really the way that it is. I I I, I don't think that this is a bad thing at all for the NHL. I, you, you get stability in 10 years and, and you have a, a manufacturer that's that's all in on your product they've been with the national hockey league for a couple of decades uh wearing uh, and making a lot of uh, uh just side uh, parallel uh fashion uh, uh products as, as well as the replica uniforms uh, they're also going to make the official uniforms of on ice officials beginning in 2024 so uh, uh that's uh, that's part of it uh, as well if you were going to give fanatics one big tip and it has to be like something significant not don't change uh, <laughs> I want something that uh, that gives them a little bit of uh, uh, runway and, and, a, and a challenge to them what what would that one suggestion be from you um, 
I mean, again, I, I've, I've kind of talked about reverse retro fun jerseys, what have you, but I'll, like, I'll say that y you want to try to stay away from teams rebranding to black as, as kind of a primary color. I, I've, I've kind of talked about how I, I don't necessarily like a black base jersey, and, and I'll give you know kind of the idea of, of the Los Angeles Kings. Like, throw a little bit of color into the scheme, guys. Like, let's try to get some of those teams that have, in the past have been known for vibrant and bright colors back into the fold with those vibrant and bright colors. There's no real better time to do it than uh, in terms of this rebrand. So maybe, just maybe, we can get a few more teams rocking some different colors going into a season. What about neon? More neon. I love it. It'd be fantastic. Like, glow-in-the-dark jerseys. Let's go. Like, we've seen it with the Golden Knights. Let's, let's really dive deep into... Um, a little bit more outside the box thinking when it comes to hockey sweaters. Chapman, any challenges to fanatics that you could put forward? Well, a lot of the complaints I see are about the quality of the replica jerseys. Mm. So I would say you definitely may have to up your game there to be on par with Adidas and, and previous to that Reebok. And I mean, I remember CCM jerseys when they were all over the place too. So uh, that's that's a big challenge. Um, a lot of times the the color scheme is a bit off with the with the replicas than it is with the um, authentics. So that's certainly something people notice as well. I notice the difference right away when I'm walking through T-Mobile Arena. I can see the difference between the Fanatics and, and the Adidas. You cannot. Absolutely can. You cannot. <laughs> Absolutely. 100 percent You don't have you, you don't have to be How trained. How close do you have to be? There and it, it's pretty obvious. It's it's very glaring. You can tell the difference. Okay, I'm asking you for specifics. Well, I How told close you, do you have to be, and what do you, you see? You you don't have to be very close. And like I said earlier, the color schemes tend to be a little off. Like the gold doesn't quite pop as much with the Fanatics jersey as it does with the Adidas. I'd also say that the the material in the gold sleeves is quite different as well. My, I, I bought my wife an authentic jersey, and I bought my mom a replica one. And you can see the the, the stark. The, 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 I don't mind that. You, 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 there has to be a, a, a benefit to buying an authentic sweater as opposed to a replica. Well, yeah. The the, the, the benefit is that you get the fight strap, and, and yeah, it's well, a higher. that, how it's, many it's, people need the fight strap? No, you don't, but it's kind of a cool. You might after this. Well, it's a, it's a cool little little thing to have on the jersey, though. So, I'm not saying that they have to be equal, but the replica should certainly be of a higher quality than what it is. I don't think you can really tell. I think you're just trying to you know flex what? on us. I, I bet, because I've already seen it to some of the replies on my Twitter, one, one of them was that they, they're hoping, and this was from Stephanie, that she's hoping that they make a, a, a women's cut in the authentic. No, they, 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 the authentic is the authentic. It's for the players. That's why it's the authentic. There was, well, there was not, no, it's there not, was no anti. Uh, we're not going to make one for for the women audience, uh, female audience. It was just they make it for the players. It's the same cut that, and that got blown way out of proportion. One of one of my friends who works for a TV station here in town. He's a he's a big and tall guy. Who's that? Uh, his name's Ryan Goodman. Okay, and he said that. The Adidas big and tall fit a lot better, their size-wise, than the Fanatics big and tall. So, um, hopefully, for for those who fall in the big and tall category, that the Fanatics will will catch up to what Adidas is today in terms of of the sizing. Okay, what are you? 
I, big, I big think tall? fat. Fat and ugly, oh, but short and stocky. <laughs> Come on. Short, short and, and stocky. Short and fat is what I fall no. into. <laughs> but uh, interesting about the uh, the the Rapid Club jerseys. Uh, but uh, they say it's uh, going to be indiscernible uh, between uh, what you're seeing now on the players and uh, what you'll see when Fanatics takes over in a couple of years. Uh, salary cap, they still don't know. Uh, believe it or not, uh, oh. the the latest update is uh, they're they're keeping the options open on going up by more than one million uh, next year. But they're not going to know. That's the latest update as of like two hours ago uh, from uh, somebody that uh, is inside the National Hockey League offices uh, sent me a text on, on that. And I wasn't even digging for information. They just volunteered it. Uh, still don't know uh, regarding how much it could go up. But uh, the fact that they're keeping it open this late is, is positive for all involved, especially if you're working on a brand new contract like many people are right now. Uh, those are your one-timers uh, for this Tuesday, March the... Hmm, uh, we have two tickets to give away to see the Edmonton Oilers next Tuesday at T-Mobile Arena. Hmm. Vegas Golden Knights, back half of a home-on-home. Wow. Like, for somebody, that's going to be a really tense night, and the other one is going to be looking at a golden opportunity for the big-time sweep of that home-on-home series. And you can be there if you are caller number 13 to... 702-876-1340. Call now on Fox Sports Las Vegas. Catching up with Chapman's next. When the guy wouldn't stop talking, we had no choice but to give him his own segment. It's time for Catching Up with Chapman. Oh, Christopher. Hi, Darren. So NBA lost an all-time great today. Willis Reed passed away at the age of 80. One of my father's all-time favorite players. My dad was a massive, massive New York Knicks fan. More, He liked the Knicks more than any other team in sports. So he was thrilled that, that Reed helped the Knicks win two NBA titles. Unfortunately, they haven't won any since 1973 when Reed was there with Walt Clyde Frazier. But Reed's 1970 season was one for the books. He became the first player in history to win the MVP of the All-Star Game, the regular season MVP, and the NBA Finals MVP. Um, All-time great player, one of the NBA's anniversary team, 50th and 75th, as one of the all-time greats in NBA history. Two-time NBA champ, two-time Finals MVP, seven-time All-Star, passed away at the age of 80 today. And I know my, my late father loved this man. Like, I mean... Him and Clyde Frazier were my dad's idols, and he loved both of them. And uh, great thing was I got to have dinner with Clyde Frazier a couple, many, nah, I guess it was 2007, 2008. And the first thing my dad said to me was, did you get his autograph? He said, no, Dad, I, I can't do that. I couldn't get his autograph. But uh, I did tell him that, that he was one of my dad's favorite players. And he said, well, tell your dad I said hello. But, uh, yeah, sad, sad to see Willis Reed pass away and uh, – an all-time great, one of the best players to ever lace him up. And uh, I think sometimes it gets lost because he played so long ago. But uh, things he did back in the 70s were were incredible. Well, 1969 NBA Finals, that legendary where he could barely walk. And yeah. He came out and he scored his first two shots. And, uh, and then they, they won in Game 7. Yeah, they beat, uh, I think it was the Lakers. Yeah, the Lakers in, in that series. I was actually talking to my agent today about Willis Reed. It was just after the news happened, and uh, my agent loves uh, Willis Reed. So uh, really uh, taught, they told me a few things about him, how incredible he was. And uh, I feel uh, just uh, 
better for uh, being able to lean on people uh, who can pass along that type of information. I want to tell you, uh, I wasn't going to do it, but I will give you this little tidbit. Hmm. Vegas has never failed to walk out of Vancouver with at least a point. Oh, boy. (laughs) Oh, boy. I'm staring down at the jinx. Oh, man. And, And Rita... It's all good. You're going full on. Yeah. Full on Rita, in, in front Rita of the firing I, squad with this one. No, yeah. no. No, this is good. This this just puts it all to bed. All right. Vegas wins tonight. It puts it all on the uh, the back burner. Yeah. yeah. The the ghosts and goblins and warlocks and all those good things I, I are, are coming I out tonight. I don't believe in any of this, but boy, do I want it to be something that burns you. No, no sure. you don't. See, this, no, you is, don't. this puts you in a delicate you gotta, situation. you got to do the Lawless. post-game show. Lawless has to root either against Vegas or for me. What's he going to do? We'll decisions, find out. Decisions. Mm-hmm.